So good to be here. I'm, my name is Pastor Chris. If you don't know me, I am a little crazy. Qualifying it. I'm just going to qualify it. Um, I'm the campus pastor in Framingham also, if you didn't know that. Yeah, they're actually watching us now live, uh, on video live, video message live, however you want to call that. And it's a, an honor to be here and, and to be a part of this series on change. Have you guys been getting anything out of this series? I mean, oh my goodness. And we all need to change, right? Right? Especially that person next to you. Tell them, especially you. I mean, look at you. I'm kidding. Be nice. Be nice. But uh, now that you've made friends, I'm going to get into this message. I have a topic that we're going to get into on the series of change. And I think it's not easy, but it's essential. Let's say that it's not easy, but it's essential. Nobody wants to change unless it's the kind of change that happens on your couch where you don't really do anything but change in the other direction. So I want to start out by saying that we do change. Whether you like it or not, we are changing, okay? You just might not like that change that's happening, but change is going on whether we agree, whether we like it or not, change happens. But in the change series, we're going to focus on the type of change that gets us closer to God. Can I get an amen? So I'm a lively uh, preacher, teacher, communicator, and this Sunday especially, we are not charging anyone if you say amen, hallelujah, it's free. Christianity is a full participation sport. Can I get an amen? amen. So the more you preach back and holler back and agree with that, um, it, it'll make it fun and interactive. And if you're here for the first time and you don't know what that means, when people say amen or they um, you know, come into agreement by saying stuff like, but preach that, amen, I agree, or, you know, get off the stage. Um, those are all ways in which people, you know, agree or show that they uh, understand and, that, and it relates to them. So um, is that cool with you if we do that? Yeah. Awesome. For, the, for everybody else who didn't say anything, I'm so sorry. It's just going to happen anyways. <laughs> Let's have fun today, okay? So if this works, we'll have fun. Here we go. Habits of change. Say that with me. Habits of change. Yes, yes, yes. Habits of change. Because habits change us. Like I said, whether it's for the good or bad, habits are changing us. And it's, it's not motivation, okay? Motivational seminars and speakers, they can help you. But what is really correlated with long-term change is habits or routine behavior. But before you can focus on behavior, you need to focus on belief first, okay? So let's get into the big idea of today. The big idea is first we form our habits, and then our habits form us. This is powerful. I want you to get something out of this today that you can implement even this week. If I say something today that you can't do anything with, even on this Sunday, I have failed as a communicator. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be very profound, but also rele relevant and uh, practical, okay? So if you're Taking notes, that's a good habit, too, to have. One, one that Pastor Derek taught us uh, right when we came to connect a little bit ago. So if you don't have the worship guide or a pen, you know, wave your hand up and the usher will help you. It's always better to write stuff down because, uh, as Pastor D says, uh, history makers are? That's good. Some of you know that. So history makers are? All together, like a big choir. 
Did I flip it? I need to work on that habit. History makers are note takers? Or note takers are history makers? I was just testing y'all. See that? I can flip it on you too. Ha! So it's history makers first. <laughs> it's note takers. All right, ready? So note takers are? Note takers are? And history makers are? It's the same thing, y'all. Come at me with that. Pull my pants up on you. So let's get into the Bible. It's a great transition. Let's get into John chapter 5. If you have your Bible, flip to that gospel real quick. If you have an app, go to the Bible app. If you go into any other app but the Bible, I pray that phone breaks right now in Jesus' name. Break it! Here we go. John chapter 5. You all right? We're going to do some reading. Is that okay? So if you didn't read your Bible today, we'll go and read it right now so you can check that box. After these things, meaning some other stuff was happening before, okay? Uh, you can go read it so you can find out what that was. See how I tricked you into curiosity? So something was happening. What was happening? Go read it after church. After these things, there was a fast feast, I mean. Very different, right? Fast, feast. Should have been a fast. I'm hungry. There was a feast of the Jews. If it would have said of the Brazilians, I would have been like, you know, meat. I'm hungry. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Say that word with me, Bethesda. That's a great name for your next pet cat especially or a goldfish. Bethesda, come here. It's a tongue twister. Bethesda means the word, the first part there, Beth, means house of grace or mercy. And then the, the second word, Hesda, if they were separated, they, there would be an H added to it. It means a place of disgrace. And so isn't it interesting that, that in one name you have Two different things that are completely opposite happening. And the reason why that is, as we'll read, uh, this pool is beautiful. It has five porticos or, or porches. It's, it's, it's a beautiful scene. It has a, a, a spring that comes up from the ground. And, 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 and what was believed was this, though, watch. That um, in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. This is what happened in this beautiful place. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. I think the Olympics began right here. Like as soon as that angel, you know, it's like everybody's running to be first. Just food for thought. And um, it says that they would be cured. A man, here we go. Now we're getting into the, the, the subject, the persona of this text. A man was, was there who had been ill for 38 years. Everybody say 38. 38. Now if you were to look up 38 in the Bible... Numbers have meaning in the Bible. They're just not there to be there. So the number 38 has to do with the work you do, the effort that you put into the calling, your life's calling, the purpose of God in your life. In fact, if you were to go and look up the main characters of the Bible, like 
God, right? The main character. In Genesis, the 38th time that the name Elohim is mentioned, it talks about how God was creating man. If you were to look up Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or even David, you'll see that in the 38th time that their names are mentioned, it's referencing some kind of labor, some type of work, the things that we do, our effort. Even the people of Israel, if you were to remember, when they came out of Egypt, remember that story? And they wandered in the desert for how long? A lot of people say 40 because they're rounding, but if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, Memorize it just in case you weren't, you know. Uh, it says that it was actually 38 years. So it was their, their, their striving. It was them struggling, doing their part before God came in and did his part. So it's interesting. And I would read the Bible like that if I was you. Question the numbers. Like we saw that it was, there was five porches. What does the number five represent? It represents the number of grace, meaning there is enough grace here to heal you. Isn't that powerful? So when you understand numbers in the Bible, the message out of there just jumps off the pages and it comes alive. So this man was there for how long? 38 years, meaning he was doing his full measured effort to try to get healed. So here we go. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Why would you ask that question? Isn't it obvious he's been there so long? Everybody that's around, imagine the multitude of, of withered people that are waiting for their chance of positive change for healing or a miracle. I mean, isn't it obvious that if you're in a broken state or an unevil or an unequal state, you want to get better? Isn't it obvious that people want change? Isn't it obvious that people want to progress? It's not. And this is why Jesus asks him that question, because we can only step into change when we desire it for ourselves. Can I get an amen? amen. You need to want to change. I can't want change for you. But the moment you say yes is the moment that you set yourself up to step up in life. Can I get an amen? So you need to want to change because a lot of times we say that we want change, but really our attitudes, our behavior, how we act, our thinking, our mindset, it's actually saying do not move from this spot. So the question that Jesus is asking here, and, and read the Bible like this, every time that Jesus asks a question, his question is teaching more than the answer he wants from people. The question is more powerful than the answer. So he's saying to this man, but he's also saying to us 2,000 years later, do you want to be changed? Do you want to get well? Because unless you surrender your will, unless you surrender your thinking, unless you surrender your finances, unless you park your will and put God's will on the throne, then change for the better hardly ever happens. I believe that the best kind of change, the change that lasts, the change that is good for you always comes from the heart of God. Do you agree with that? He knows you better than you know yourself. And so this is why he's asking this question, do you want to get well? But look at what happens. The sick man answered him and said, sir, he said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me like that competition mutters. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. That's a miracle, y'all. Amen immediately everybody say that word immediately. immediately because in the presence of God change can happen in a moment do you believe that in a moment immediately because God spoke it into existence immediately the man became 
well. Wow. And picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. There are a couple of things happening in this text. And I want to break it down so that we all leave here today really understanding some of the things that are happening in this text that are super important for us to apply in our lives. So let's go into that real quick. The things that are happening here are, first, Jesus asks him a question. Life will always ask of you things. Defining moments usually start with a question. Number two, he doesn't answer. He doesn't answer the question. The man that was an invalid, he didn't answer the question. He, he went right into what? He provides an excuse. Now, an excuse can explain a lot of things, and it can be valid, and there could be weight to it, and I can relate, and we could all be like, yeah, nodding our heads, yep, I get it, you know, look at that. But excuses describe the problem, but it ne- never justifies why you're not changing. It doesn't justify it. So I could, I could t- talk to you guys about how, you know, at 30, you know, six years old, I, I should have played for Real Madrid my whole life. Uh, can you tell I was built to be a soccer player? I mean, if, there, if it wasn't that injury, it, you know, the, the, the scout didn't go to my game. And, you know, if, if people, they, they, someone ran and, and, you know, scored that game. And if, if things would have been different, I promise you, I would have been playing at Real Madrid in Spain, Premier League. Like, who, who, Cristiano Ronaldo, who, you would have seen me, y'all. But what happened? I'm just describing excuses, but... Excuses will never get you the result. It'll just help you feel better where you are. Look at what happens. He, he explains what happened. It's an excuse. Jesus, because he's loving, can I get an amen? Jesus doesn't even care. And he provides him a different solution, not what he was expecting. What was that solution? The solution was this. This man, for 38 years, he was taught. He was, he, he, this is what he saw. This is what they told him. This is what his, his experience would have him believe, that for you to be healed, you had to wait for the waters to be touched by an angel, and then and then only could you run down there, be the first one to touch it, and then you would be healed. Now Jesus understands that up until this point, that is the method, that is the protocol, and that's how it's done. But how many know that in the presence of Jesus, he'll break the rules to make sure that you get your blessing. He'll leave protocol to the side to make sure that breakthrough happens in your life. So he says, you don't have to go to the water. What happens is this, what I want to happen in your life is is going to happen now and right now. He says, get up and walk. See, it doesn't always have to be about touching of the waters that are stirred. God can come into your life, and it can be about the words that he says instantly over your life that brings change into existence. God always has a different way of doing things. He's not a formula. He's not a recipe. In fact, we're not building a cake here at Connect. We're expanding the church of Christ. Can I get an amen? So there will never be a formula or a recipe. There are patterns, but you have to be open. 
to the new ways that God wants to speak to you and cause things to happen in your life for the better. And look at this. He heals on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the day that in Jewish culture you would not work. You would not pick up that mat. You would not pick up that thing. You wouldn't work. You wouldn't help an animal. You wouldn't do anything. This is the Lord's day. This is where you relax. You just reflect on the law and and you're with family. But but Jesus, he, he decides to heal people in the narrative seven times seven is the number of completion he wanted to bring about an argument and and close it to a to a place of clarity and completion and this is what i think he's saying when he's when he's healing people on the sabbath which which the the jewish leaders thought was something he shouldn't be doing in fact it was because of this specific miracle that he did that now the jewish leaders the pharisees wanted to kill him but jesus at the cost of his own life wanted to bring about a greater message your change cannot wait it's going to happen even if it is on the sabbath because your miracle your change where you need to get to it has to happen now and it has to happen right now can i get an amen Amen. so he does something on purpose and it's for us to learn through his exemplification and also with what he's saying and he heals people on the sabbath which others would have think would have thought why did you do that i think it poses a question he's putting his life at risk literally when he was teaching us this and it implies this question that i've been harping on for a little bit for the last seven minutes do we really want change like really do we want change i think sometimes we don't but we say we do because that's the right thing to say. Yeah, I want change. Yeah, I want to get better. Yeah, I want to become a better professional. I want to be the best at what I do. I want to have mastery. I, 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 I want to be closer to God. I want to be a better father. I want to pay my taxes the right way. Ooh, can I get an amen? Shots fired. Everybody's leaving. But I think a lot of times we say one thing, but we do another. And so that really answers more than what we say what we do speaks louder than what we say about what we are doing and so this is why the question is so important do you really want change and the facts are you are changing whether you like it or not but what i want you to focus on is this when you think about change change makes you vulnerable change puts you in a place where you have to to certain things are exposed in your life change change confronts you Change can hurt. I mean, whenever you talk about change, we just went through massive change at home. I gotta, we, we were just gifted by God with another baby boy. He's two weeks old. Yes, I haven't slept for two weeks. Can you tell? His name is Joshua Judah. It's a powerful name. Like, even when I, I want to fall in the ghost when I say that name. I, I think in class, when he's old enough in school, Joshua Judah present, and when he raises his hand, everybody falls in the spirit. That's the goal. Have, give your kids strong names. People will come to know God through their name. And that kind of changed. I mean, my wife was in pain for a long time. And consequently, because she was holding my hand, I was in pain too. I literally think I have fractured bones in this hand. But it was, it was, there was a change coming, like two boys, right? If it was a girl, a bigger family. It's another boy, now it's a circus. <laughs> Let's go! I won't sleep for the next three years. 
And so because of this change that happened, there was some pain. There was, there's discomfort. Oh, God, there's discomfort, right? I mean, diapers full of poop every single day. I mean, you know, they, they, they eat like more than me. He was, he was born 10 pounds, y'all. How is this woman alive? <laughs> change causes pain at times. But just because there's pain, it doesn't mean that it's not good for you. Can I get an amen? And so I want to review before I move on. This series started with our pastor, and one of the things that he read, I, I want to reread this verse, was 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where he's talking about this progressive language that we find in this verse. So that way, we can also see from another point in the Bible how it's also indicative that there is a pattern in Scripture that always pushes us to want to change more and more and more and more. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there room for improvement in your life, yes or no? Some of you didn't say anything. Get them a mic, quick. We, they need to go to heaven right away. Let me ask you again. If you have room for improvement in your life, do you have room for improvement, yes or no? Yeah, yeah of course, of course. I mean, maybe some of you have less or maybe they're in different areas, but every single one of us, if we were to stop right now and look at just last week, how we talked to some people, how some of the emails we replied to, how we acted in traffic, you know, how the things we said, what our thought life, I mean, good Lord, there's definitely room for improvement. And so when we read this, look at the language, right? But we all, meaning all of us, everybody say all. all. Now say it like you're from the South, y'all all. I don't even know if they say it like that. With unveiled face, that speaks to intimacy, okay? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That's very uh, contextualized in modern language. <laughs> that just means reflection. Are being transformed. That's not talking about the past, the future. It's talking about now, right? Being transformed. We are being transformed. It's not a place of arrival, David Pisania. This is actually a journey, right? It, it's never a place that you get to. It's being, it's being, it's being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, more to more. You see that? That's, that's progressive language. Even the Bible is saying that when you think you've mastered that thing, there's always another area for you to improve on and to add upon even the area that you think is your number 10. The moment we step down from excellence is that moment when we think we can't improve anymore. If you think that you can no longer learn anything, you need to step down and not teach anything for the rest of your life because there is just so much to learn. I don't think we'll all learn it all in a lifetime. This is why sometimes counsel is important, but, but understand this. There is room for improvement. Therefore, you must Change. You must change. And I wanted to review that. One of the things that PD mentioned in the first uh, ser service of, of this series, he said that change always starts with you in partnership with God. I want to focus on the you. I want to focus on the things that you can do because this man that we just read about, he was there for 38 years. Now, let me ask you a question. If you could get the change that you're looking for in two years versus 38 years, which one would you prefer? Two, exactly. So let's focus on what we can do because when we do our part, God does his part. So here we go. When we talk about the things that we can do, um, we, we must understand that God will come through, 
but that there are two types of agents for change. There are different ways that we can change or implement change. There's the, there's the model version and there's the teach version, okay? The teach version is this. I wish they would make this church a little cleaner. I wish they would have more parking lot. I wish my kids got better grades. So there are these things that we expect out of society, but we don't model it, but we're speaking them. We wish, you know, I wish my wife would cook better. That's not referring to you at all in this moment. She cooks great. But aren't there things that we want people to change and, and we're asking people to change and we're, we're saying things about change? How far has that gotten you? It doesn't go very far. But then there's the other model, which is, which is the model version, which, which isn't that thing that, that asks for change. You become the change that you're looking for. You don't wait or ask someone to pick it up, you pick it up. And then because you picked it up, you modeled it, and someone saw you picking it up, and now they are infected by what they saw. Chances are, next time they see something on the ground because they saw you do it, what are they going to do? They're going to pick it up. That's why it's important for us as parents to model versus teach. I, I, never, I would never forget there was this moment with, uh, with my father, and he, and he sat me down, and I was being rebellious you know, still am, and, 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 and he shook me. He's like, you know, listen to what I say, not what I do. But I couldn't because what he was doing was speaking louder than his counsel. This is why we need to model change. For a long time, so many people have been asking me, especially Pastor Devin, because he's so buff. You know, you need to work out. You need to do CrossFit. You need to eat less. You know, go to Chick-fil-A instead of Wendy's because you don't get calories there and some... <laughs> People say, I don't know if that's true. And, and, and guess what I did about that? Zippo, nada. But then someone came into my life and, and he modeled, he modeled this. Uh, you may know him by the name of Pastor Derek. And, and you, when you look at him, you can tell he works out, right? Like it, too much maybe, <laughs> you know, like slow down. They're going to kill yourself. And so he picks it up and he puts it back down. And then he started to talk to me about, you know, health and nutrition and his testimony, how he overcame cancer and how God used him. And, and all of a sudden, because he modeled it, I wasn't so much listening to what he was saying. I was watching his lifestyle. And then as time went on, without me even noticing, I started to go to the gym. And then the other day, I was walking, you know, into the pool to, to swim some laps because I was a rescue swimmer in the Navy. And who do I see coming out the shower? Pastor Devin. I'm like, oh, my God, Pastor Devin, put some clothes on, sir. And I rebuked him in the name of Jesus. He's also modeling what change looks like. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm now paying attention to what I eat, you know. And instead of having three pieces of picanha, I'm having two. And when I started this journey, I was about 188 pounds. And I can tell you I'm now 195 pounds. It's not working, but I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed, okay? So there's a difference. Like if I came in here today and I was talking to you about the measles, okay? And the, the statistics on this disease, it's super contagious, okay? And I was t talking to you about how you contracted and where it came from, and I'm teaching you on measles, and I'm, and I'm teaching you. I got slides. I got videos. We're, we're, we're studying this thing. But, but the thing is, I came in here with the mumps, and I look all infected. I'm all sad. I got the flu. I, I got all this stuff. So I'm talking about the measles, but I actually have the mumps. After service, you're going to leave with an education of the measles. But what are you going to have on you? The mumps. Why? 
Because you catch what's on people, not what they say. That's why when we talk about change, it always happens in the context of relationships. You need to join a small group. You still got time because I, I'm pretty sure you don't remember that best class, that, that, the class you loved the most in high school. You don't even remember the teacher's name or what book they read from. But if I ask you right now, who are the three people that have influenced your life the most, you would give me their names like that, like that, and like that. Why? Because that's where transformation really comes from. Change happens in the context of relationships. The only reason this man was changed was because he encountered Jesus. The only reason why the disciples founded the early church and turned the world upside down was because they were constantly in the presence of Jesus. It wasn't the miracles, the multiplication of bread, the supernatural stuff, the lightning. Wow, the power behind Jesus. It, it, it was what was on Jesus that transferred to them. And I, I want to I talk about this transfer in the form of habits, okay? So I'm going to show you a quick illustration and then talk about how it could help our process. Before I do the illustration, I just want to Re reiterate that there is a different process. God always has a better process for us. It wasn't the touching of water. It was the get up and walk, okay? When we talk about the, pro the, the, the process of God, we need to submit and surrender to how God wants to work in our lives. So, so be open. God may not work in your life the way he worked on your neighbor's life. It may be different. So just, just be open to that and know that your, pre your, your process for change is always found in the presence of Jesus. And this is why the disciples went from fishermen to fishers of men because they were in the presence of Jesus and that's where change really happens. You may not agree with how God wants to work in your life. You may think it's time. You may think it's time to open up that business. It's, it's time to write that book. It, it, it's time to switch careers. But, but just wait on the Lord. Seek his counsel. Allow him, be pro allow him to be a part of your process, not your conclusion. And then you will see the benefits of change in the presence of Jesus, okay? Because we know, we know this. Motivation. Right? It's not correlated with, 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 with long-term change. Habits are. So if you could light up this area, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you in my humble attempt to, to, to demonstrate how habits are powerful, okay? You may have some habits. In fact, I know you have some habits. Think about what you do every morning or during the day or during lunch or even you know, before you go to bed. Now, meet Nemo on steroids, everybody. This was the best I can do. This is the max of my creativity, by the way, okay? This is all I can do. So if you put Nemo doing CrossFit into an aquarium, we, we didn't fill it up all the way because I wouldn't, they, they said I wouldn't have the strength to carry it. <laughs> People judge, you know? They're right, actually. And so there's an experiment that you can do. If you take this fish and if you were to you know, drop them into the aquarium, and if you have fishes, you can try this, okay? This is actually, uh, well, don't do that. Like, don't, <laughs> listen to me. Uh, the fishes are swimming. Look, the fishes are happy. <laughs> water country, water. And so they're swimming along, okay? So here's the fish. And then if, if you took a glass wall and you put it on one side of the aquarium and you left it there for a long time, the fish is going to go to that wall. Even though it's clear, it's going to hit that wall and it's going to come back. And so after a long period of time, what's going to happen is this. This little guy is going to learn a new habit because his environment changed, okay? He's going to think that that wall is there forever. And so after a long time, even if you remove that glass wall from the aquarium, the fish will never go 
to that side of the aquarium. What's that? That's the power of habit. This is why certain elephants, even though they're super powerful, I just killed them. <laughs> a little rope will hold an elephant in place because when they're little, they're trained with weight. And so because of environment, we form certain habits. And Jesus understood this. This is why when we learn from Jesus, there are these habits that he transferred to the disciples that I'm going to teach you on very quickly so that you can learn from this. Okay, so here we go. The, the meta habit is that he prayed. The meta habit because this is the one thing that you can do that will elevate all of your other spiritual habits. They say that the secular version of this is exercise. If you exercise, you have more energy, you tend to be more organized, more available, and then it transcends to other areas of life. And so exercise becomes this meta habit that helps you be better in other areas. For Christianity, when you talk to God, it is the meta habit because now you're speaking to God, you're in God's presence, you start to look like God, you get hungry for the love letter called the Bible, and then you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and before you know it, you start to look like Jesus, and because you pray, you become, you become this changing person that, that sees the benefits because you started to pray in all other areas of life. I'm going to go as far as, as this, okay? If you want to change for the better, know that in, in James chapter 1, verse, verse 16, I believe it says that all good things are perfect gifts from God that come from heaven unto us. Meaning this, if you want to be better, you may get help from that seven steps to happiness or a million things that you can do or, or four steps or seven blah, 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 you know, all these self-help books. Or you can do this. You can trust that God can change you for the better. Now watch this. The habits get you there, but with the meta habit, you can elevate all other areas of your life. Okay, are you, following me? are you following this? So Jesus understood this. So he made prayer the number one habit in his life. He didn't try to be a good son by reading a book. He spent time in the, in, in the presence of his father and he learned how to be a good son. Watch this, watch this. If you want to be a better husband, a better student, don't try to be that thing better. Spend time in the presence of God and every good thing that God has, has to offer will infiltrate your life. The second thing is he paused. When was the last time you stopped? The Bible says that he frequently withdrew. He was changing his environment. He leaves the disciples. He leaves the crowds. And he goes into the wilderness to spend time with himself, to invest in himself, and in the presence of God. When was the last, this was a habit, y'all. When was the last time you budgeted time for your vacation, where you had an afternoon, where you had margin to just think about what's going on? If, you're, if you don't have time to think, if you're not pausing and it's just going from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. You're too busy. You need to have margin because when you think about what's happening, then you can actually have a strategy that will work for you in the presence of God. So this is one thing that he did to self. Prayer to God, paused to himself. Yo, create margins. Rest. Don't give up. Rest. Don't stop. Rest. Can you just say this with me? Let's pause. Just take a pause. Just take a pause. Tell the person next to you, you need to stop a little. You need to stop a little with that. And then the last word, you can tell I majored in English. I made a noun into a verb. He peopled. I'm being influenced by my pastor. Everything with peace. 
So it's peopled. Prayer, paused, peopled. Jesus, with others, he spent time with them. Did you know that the currency of heaven is not the dollar? The currency of heaven is time. As a father with a couple of kids, I understand that they don't need a new iPhone or a new iPad or the new video series. They need my time. God loved, Jesus loved the world so much that he spent nine-tenths of his time with 12 men. In John chapter 17, he mentions them 40 times. And he talks to God about how he finished the work that he had for them, that God had for Jesus. But listen to me. When Jesus is interceding for them in John chapter 17, he had not yet gone to the crucifixion. What was this work? But it was the same word that was used when he was hanging on the cross, breathing his last, and he said, it is finished. It's a word that means completion. He mentions this before he dies, so it implies this. There was a mission that Jesus was given before dying for us. And I believe it was to disciple the people that he loved, the apostles. It was the same word. The cross was the purpose of Jesus' life. Discipling those that followed him was his mission. He lived 33 years. 30 of those years he spent with who? His family. One of the habits that I want you to walk away from here today is this. You need to spend time with the people that you love. Don't worry about what you have to do for God. Your biggest calling is your family. Your biggest ministry is your wife. On judgment day, God is not going to ask how many people attended Sunday that day, Chris. He's going to ask, where is your wife? Where is your son? There was a book written here from a nurse practitioner at Mass General. She worked in the terminally ill area of that hospital. And for years, she did a career in this area. And she would always ask people the same question, and she, she, saw, she quickly saw that there was a pattern. When she asked, other things were different, but this specific question, whenever she was asking them, what would you do differently? If you could have another chance, these people are getting ready to pass on to eternity. She would ask them, what would you have changed? Without hesitation, it was the same every single time. And they said this, I wish I would have spent more time with the people that I love. With every head bowed, every eye closed, This is the number one habit that I want to charge you with. Maybe there's room for change or improvement in your relationships with your family. Do you talk to everyone in your family? Is there somebody that maybe there's a broken relationship with? Do you talk to your dad? After these services, I'm going to go see my dad because of this message. Is there a cousin and uncle? Is there someone that you don't speak to anymore? May I submit this to you this morning? Don't wait until there's not enough time to do what's right. Jesus peopled. He spent 30 years with his family. That's your biggest priority. 
Your family needs you. And so if that's you this morning, if there's areas of change, I want to challenge you. Send them a text after service. Make a call. Even if it doesn't change the situation, you do your part. You do your 38. And I promise you, God will do his part. Just apologize, even though it's not your fault. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. So if there's an area of your life, a relationship that you think needs to get better, needs to change, if that's you, could you raise your hand just so I could acknowledge you, so I could pray for you? I see you. Amen. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Thank you for being so courageous. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for you that raised your hand real quick. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord, that you would give them grace to have meaningful conversations that would enable the relationships within family to be healed in Jesus' name. Father, I come against confusion. I come against tension and brokenness. And I declare that there is life abundantly in our families here at Connect. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen. 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 If you could stand with me today. Did you get anything out of this today? Did this help you in any way? Is there anything that you can apply this Sunday? Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to do an invitation before I end. But if, if something was unclear to you, I want to leave something very clear so that you can take something home. There's a person that sent me an email last week, and they weren't, they wanted to change, he wanted to change his level of productivity. And so what he did was he changed his environment. You know what he did? He got rid of his TV and he cut his cable. There's a, there's something very specific for you. Yeah, Pastor Chris said it. Sell my TV. Do something that changes your environment so drastically that it changes your habits drastically. You know what happened to him? He used to, he, that's drastic, Pastor Chris. I'm not going to sell my TV. Put it in a closet at least. See what happens. Go a week without a TV, without cable. Maybe it's your Netflix account. Shut it off for a little bit. And watch as your habits change. Watch as your, watch your productivity rise. Sometimes we need to change our environments for the bad habits to die and for new ones to come to life. Even in the new iPhone OS, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a feature now that you can, you can set limits to how much time you spend in certain apps. Do that. Do things. These are practical things that I promised I would give you. So here they are. And I want to speak to you now, if, if you're here for the first time or if you've been here before and you want to understand more about the habits of Jesus and you want to be in his presence, you want to give this thing a shot, you want to say yes, you know what, I, I, I want that for my life. I want to speak to you if, if that's you. If you're here, it's your first time guest, I'm sorry I was so crazy. I hope I didn't scare you. But I'm glad that you came and I hope that you would call this home. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, as Pastor Mark could prepare himself here, I want to give you an invitation. I promise you that when you say yes to Jesus, your life will change forever for the better. This is the most important decision that you will ever make in your whole entire life. Do not shy away from this moment. This is where eternity is set and you are protected for 
ever. I'm speaking to you. Maybe as I was communicating, there was a knocking on your heart. There was an urge in your spirit. I want you to respond to that right now. As I count to three, it's just me, you, and God in this moment. When I count to three, I'm going to give you a chance to just lift your hand and put it back down so I can acknowledge you. And then we're going to pray together. So if that's you, one, God loves you so much. Two, change happens now. Do not shy away from this moment. Three, if that's you, put it up and then put it right back down. I see you in the middle. I see you in the middle here to my left. I see you in the back. I see you to my right. God bless you. I see you way up in the back. God bless you. Thank you for putting your hand up. Thank you. Amen. And that's just our method. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and, and that's okay because that's just our method. The power wasn't in the hand. It's the, the belief that happened in your heart. That's what it says in John 3.16. And so if you, if you don't want to raise your hand, that's okay. Just pray after me so we can confirm this thing that just happened. So come on, church, let's do this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you. I believe in you. And I confess that I need help. In Jesus' name. Write a new story. I pray. And the church said? And the church said? What did the church say? Let's give it up for those lives.